Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccans. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. This is one of those episodes, I don't know if you guys ever think about this, but this is one of those episodes where I thought the people in the audience today uh, might be somewhat distinguished. Guys, we might have... Uh, we, we might have some very powerful people tuning into today's episode. And that is that is wild because these people, if you are listening, welcome. Uh, these people are under the effects of disasters that all of humanity is currently struggling in. We live in what is sometimes called interesting times. The global pandemic shook and for a time silenced human routines. The environment is degrading at a pace faster than a square pusher or Conlon Nancaro song. I'm sorry, I, it was on my bucket list to work in a reference uh, at some point in the show to that guy. Multiple regions of the globe are moving closer to all-out hot war. Inequality spiking, everybody knows this. We live amid one of the greatest eras of wealth redistribution in human history. And not in a way that benefits the vast majority of humanity. In short, we have painted ourselves into one hell of a corner. 
And like we said before on the show, everybody admits there are serious problems. No one agrees how to fix them. For the past few years, a transnational not-for-profit organization called the World Economic Forum has been, according to them, working towards solutions to these existential threats. Their newest plan is something called the Great Reset Initiative. It kicked off at their annual Davos meeting last year, back in 2020. It's got some powerful proponents, some powerful cheerleaders, and it has a lot of critics from across across the gamut of any spectrum you could imagine. And it also possesses more than a healthy dollop of stuff they don't want you to know. This was a, uh, this is inspired by a listener who I believe called in. Is that correct? Yes. And really thrashed us, but left with this, like, why haven't you covered this topic? (laughs) And, And in a lot of ways, as a, this, we would have covered this anyway, but also a little bit of a, ha how about this, buddy? We're 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 uh, we're doing this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, as always, uh, thank you for taking the time to reach out to us, fellow conspiracy realists. Let's get into it to understand the Great Reset Initiative and to understand why uh, so many people love it and why so many more people are terrified of it or hate it. We have to first understand what Davos is. So here are the facts. So Davos is the name that's used as shorthand for an annual four-day conference held by the World Economic Forum that meets in uh, Davos, Switzerland. Um, It's like kind of the creme de la creme of, you know, venture capitalists and influencer types, but more like people at a high, high level of that kind of world. Uh, The roots of the organization date back to 1971 when a gentleman named uh, Klaus Schwab, the professor Klaus Schwab, founded what was originally called the European Management Forum, which was a nonprofit foundation based in Geneva. And in the first year, Schwab invited 450 executives from influential companies across the West of Europe uh, to uh, the first European management symposium at the Davos Congress Center. Yeah. Okay. And their, their stated goal is uh, we're going to take all these leaders of European business, European firms, and we're going to introduce them to what Professor Schwab calls American management practices. So far, so good. It's a little dry, right? I mean, business conventions happen all the time, or they used to, and uh, there doesn't seem to be anything abnormal about that. This became an annual event. You know what I mean? Like a really, a a much less cool Dragon Con, uh, where everybody's kind of wearing the same costume, uh, and it continues today. Over time, it experienced mission creep we could call it. Uh, It it broadened in terms of its scope and in terms of this actual conference that you just described, Davos itself grew. By the next decade, pretty soon after 1971, political leaders realized that this meeting was an enormous opportunity to promote their interests. Some of the most powerful businessmen, and they are still largely male, Uh, Davos, we're all in one place. We're sitting ducks for you to come and say, this is why you should invest in my country, or this is why you should agree with my ideological system. So it kind of, you you could argue that it, it either evolved or it was kind of appropriated toward other ends, right? Yeah. It's a great place to spread a thought virus. 
Yes, yes, <laughs> that's exactly. One way of, that's one way of referring to it. Go I like that, Matt. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I guess we could jump forward here. So it began doing that, right? Like you said, just after the 70s when it was formed. Then 17 years later, 1987, after it was formed, it changes its name to officially the World Economic Forum. And this is... It's kind of confusing because you've probably heard of this many times before. It's been like just dropped somewhere in an article or somebody in passing mentioned the WEF or the World Economic Forum or Davos. And to get it, put it all together and to realize exactly what it is and what it means, it takes some digging. Uh, just so be aware of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we are. We are spending uh, maybe a little more time than usual on the background, but I would argue it's because even our here are the facts part is going to get very crazy in just a moment, actually. We're, we'll, we'll still tell you when the really crazy stuff begins, but the background here is already weird. Yeah, and, and it's not all scary stuff. There have been really great things that have come about largely because of, like you said, guys, the close interaction that these leaders get to have with each other at Davos. Yeah. Uh, Greece and Turkey were on the precipice of war in 19. 19- 88, uh, they were able to take to step back from that uh, by signing the Davos Declaration at that conference. Uh, leaders from South Africa during the Mandela era met at Davos in 1992 amid enormous political um, tension, right? And the list goes on and on. Yasser Arafat met with other Middle Eastern leaders. This was... Um, well, if you want to be very cynical, these were great photo ops, but they also did have an impact on policy. The conversations mattered. Yeah, exactly. And, and this isn't like a recognized extra governmental body, right? Even in as much as like the UN is that thing, right? It's just like a very uh, high optics kind of event, a meeting of the minds. And these things, these agreements that we're talking about would certainly be what you would consider non-binding since they're absolutely not connected to actual government, but it's a good look. And it's it's a thing that it's like, okay, we're going to join hands and kumbaya this out and then have like an understanding, and it behooves every member uh, of the agreement to kind of play nice because it's a good look, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a, you know, peer pressure doesn't go away when you become a billionaire or a head of state. You just have different peers exerting different kinds of pressure. Uh, This currently, like I love the point we're making here, Um, currently it can be difficult to define what the WEF is in a single honest and accurate sentence. You could say it is a think tank. You could say it is a uh, charitable foundation at times. It is all of those things, and it's other stuff too. Reading the official literature of the WEF is, uh, and this is no ding on their writers, it's not that much help, honestly. It is full of terms that are very slick, that are vague, perhaps by design, but do generally seem to indicate positive, beneficial goals uh, for, for the world overall, right? Regardless of creed, nationality, etc. It describes itself as, quote, the International Organization for Public-Private Cooperation. Shout out military-industrial complex, right? <laughs> um, according to, again, their, their official literature, the WEF and Davos is independent. It is impartial. It is somehow not tied to any of the special interests of, again, the tremendously powerful people who go there 
every year for four days. And you can learn way more than you'd like to learn about Davos and the World Economic Forum if you go to that website, their official thing. Oh, man, you will love it. Read their codes of conduct. Just grab some tea, sit down, and just go all the way through it. You'll love it. It'll be a great Saturday evening. Um, you can, though, more interestingly, read their like broader aims, or at least their stated aims, right? Their, um, their focus areas, the things that they want to cover in each year's session or that they have covered in the past and then what they're looking to cover. Oh, and there's some things in here that are really interesting, Ben. Mastering the fourth industrial revolution. Yeah. That's, yeah sounds that's, nice. <laughs> it sounds spooky to me. But it's, <laughs> it's one of their big, um, one of their big three concepts or areas of focus. So, The WEF says the fourth industrial revolution, quote, represents a fundamental change in the way we live, work and relate to one another. They describe it as a new chapter in human development. They talk about promise, peril, cadence, speed, depth, all the good hits from corporate Mm -hmm. boardroom meetings. Mm -hmm. Um, But what what it really is taken to mean in practical terms is an acceleration of the digital revolution into things like automation of industrial and manufacturing concerns, smart technology, machine to machine communication, machine learning, and, you know, the internet of things, which uh, I think we've all, we've all heard various projections about that for a number of years now. Uh, They're also, Their other two big proposals are solving the problems of the global commons and addressing global security issues. Uh, These are two very important things. These are two crucial things for the survival of not just the human species, but all the species that currently um, have currently evolved to live in a pre-industrial world, right? Pre-industrial environment. And the commons, I think, especially is a very dangerous thing. Global commons means things like natural resources that all people share and uh, to a degree rely on. So a problem with the global commons would be something like um, water rights being given to a corporation that then takes the water out of the local ecosystem uh, with, you know, damaging long-term effects. How do we fix that without breaking civilization as we know it? And bankrupting Nestle. Oh yeah, exactly. There's something a little eerie about the idea of of, of these uh, uh, rich and powerful super influencers discussing the next phase of human evolution. That's a little uh, cringy to me yeah. for some reason. I don't know why. At the very least, it feels like it could easily be tone deaf. You know, right? What I yeah. Mean? <laughs> right. So, uh, like, who there, is this for? Right? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, which humans are we talking about? <laughs> there, there's a potential for a great puckering. To occur when you really think about that. <laughs> the great puckering of a collective butthole? Is that what uh, we're talking well, about? Well, in, in all the ways. Okay. <laughs> There's Got puckering. It. Both ends. Okay. Uh, so, okay, current state. The Great Reset Initiative, as we said, began last year. Um, around 2,500, maybe ballpark 3,000 people attended the annual meeting as participants as uh, speakers or as the primo stakeholders. You can call them if you want to be a little crass. Who are these people? 
Well, the number includes everyone from prime ministers to environmental activists like Greta Thunberg uh, to bankers, of course. And bankers have an, I, it's funny because some bankers have a lower position in the hierarchy. I'm mean, going with the Dragon Con example. This is just a side note. There are, um, you know how some people will go to Dragon Con, a very popular convention here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, they'll go, but they won't pay for a Dragon Con pass. They'll hang out. Um, and try to sneak into parties and stuff. The bank, some of the bankers at Davos do the same thing, or there, there's like a, a, a gray market trade in the badges you need to be admitted to the city. And so they'll buy these at inflated prices from hotels. They'll just hang out at those hotels and then they'll wait for these, um, you know, these powerful people, these financial industrial whales to come through grabbing some drinks after, you know, the meetings or the lectures. And then they'll be like, hey, uh, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be like, hey, Paul Deckett, Goldman Sachs. Pleasure to meet you. <laughs> the talk. Goldman Sachs here. Yeah. The Let's Goldman Sachs. Applebee's. Who's your boss? The actual Goldman oh, Sachs. <laughs> Applebee's is 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 the, the hot spot for, for, you know, hobnobbing of the rich and famous and, and powerful. Uh, it makes me think of like my hometown of Augusta, Georgia uh, is very well known for the Masters Golf Tournament, which is another meeting of the rich and powerful and um, really hard to get official tickets to the actual tournament. But practice round tickets are a little easier to come by. And I remember when I was a kid, me and some friends would like hang out outside wait for people to come and they would just give us their practice round badges and then we'd sell them rinse and repeat uh and then enough to buy ourselves a nice steak dinner at longhorn nice nice i went in once with them just to check it out and then i think i went one other time with somebody that actually had real tickets but not my scene but it was definitely fun to feel like the little oliver twist urchins you know begging for can i please sir may i have your practice round ticket and some people at Davos would love that narrative because it's very free market, isn't it? That's a good point. Buy, get, get something and then sell it for a price a willing buyer will engage with. Yeah, it, it also includes Bollywood actors. It includes presidents. Yes, U.S. presidents. Donald Trump, when, uh, when the Trump administration was still in office, he went to the last uh, Davos meeting. And the size of this thing, the sheer magnitude is crazy. Uh, there are two great journalists who wrote an article about this for the New York Times, and they noted just the the sheer magnitude of this event. That's uh, Michael J. De La Merced and Russell Goldman. Yeah, and and what they state is specifically about the population of Davos. So you can imagine it, uh, all, like any smaller town that is a vacation destination or something. So. Generally, there are going to be very few people living there year round. But when it's season, when it's time for the season, wherever that place is, my goodness, there are going to be a ton of folks running through. And these reporters noted that the general population of Davos is about 11,000 human beings just at at all times. There are 11,000 people who are going to be there. Then when when Davos rolls through and they've got those four days, they got the conference, uh, it's about 30,000 people. Mm -hmm. So it triples almost in size. And yeah. they call it the world's most expensive networking event. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's sort of like not that much different from places like Sundance, you know, um, or even the Masters. Like I said, I mean, Augusta is, is not a small town, but uh, they depend on that business so much, like restaurants and uh, hospitality 
you know, companies and, and, uh, you know, places that do events and all that, they, uh, live and die by that tournament. And when, you know, COVID happened this year and it didn't happen properly, or they did it like a virtual masters with no humans, uh, that was a big hit for the economy. Yeah. These are, these are big hits to, in the case of Davos, uh, specifically, we're going to see that this is, it bears those similarities just outlined, but it goes so much further. It's, cloak and dagger stuff uh, when you get to the bottom of it. But oddly enough, as this organization uh, continues to evolve or experiences mission creep, whichever way you see it, uh, there is a note that the audience changed. So many, many more political leaders now and academics who were the original audience of the conference back in 1971 are now by far the smallest group represented. The people that were thought to have the theoretical know-how to tackle big problems. Uh, there's also a ton of press. So unlike Bohemian Grove or some other elite closed door get togethers, you know, like a IMF meeting or something, the media is all over this one. Some form of media has access to all official sessions. And some of these sessions are even broadcast online. So you can watch them even if you are not a Davos man, which we'll we'll get into that weird phrase later. Of course, this doesn't mean you, specifically you, fellow conspiracy realists, get to see everything. That's because the entire, this is what makes it different from Dragon Con or the Masters or any other convention. The entire city of Davos is locked down during this event leading up to it and then after. The, you cannot get in anywhere in the city unless you have been invited by the WEF in some capacity. And there's also, you know, despite all the talk about dignity for every person and um, combating inequality, right? Despite all that talk, there is an intensely hierarchical badge system. I, I think this is just like cartoonishly paradoxical, but I understand if they have to, why they have to do it this way. The badge system determines your access. Wait for it. White badges are the best. Those are the oh, top no. members of this four-day society and civilization. Orange, is that's the press. You can go some places. You can't go all the places. Uh, and then there are other colored badges for support staff. Because remember, Matt said the population goes up to 30,000, but we said there were like 2,500 to 3,000 attendees. The rest of that is like security, support staff, uh, People drivers, drivers, <laughs> caterers, personal bodyguards, personal assistants. You know what I mean? The sort of small social ecosystem that gathers around powerful individuals, right? They yeah. rarely travel solo. Uh, so, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Still very equal, I'm sure. Uh, the, <laughs> the idea here is that through honest, transparent conversation, these, uh, they refer to themselves as stakeholders, will be able to cooperatively tackle those issues that are simply too big for an individual entity, be it state or corporation, to solve. So building consensus, the theory is, allows the groups to make plans that, just like pollution, do not stop at any single political border. It's kind of a cool idea if it works does it work, Ben? Does it work? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. For th thank you for that. Um, it's a great question. Uh, <laughs> does it work? Well, it depends on who you ask. As you might imagine, uh, there are uh, a few, a few bits of controversy 
about this idea of the rich and powerful uh, enacting huge uh, initiatives that go beyond the bounds of a nation or a private entity. There is controversy, maybe just a little bit. Let's pause for a word from our sponsor and we'll, who might be Davos or owned by someone who goes to Davos, and then we'll, uh, we'll learn a little bit more about the criticisms. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Are you powerful? Wealthy? Beyond anyone's wildest dreams? Not yours, of course. You're just as wealthy as you want to be. In fact, you're looking for more ways to get higher in the ranks of the powerful. Well, we have something perfect for you. It's a brand new gathering of folks just like yourself looking to climb up that ladder when all the rungs appear to have run out. Yes, that's correct. Brought to you by Illumination Global Unlimited. Finally, the answer to every time you've asked, 
Am I the only person at this party who can buy a yacht? We proudly introduce the overtly nefarious gathering of wealthy individuals, O-N-W-I. Or ennui. Yes, ennui. Hobnob with kings. Guaranteed 100% peasant-free. Now with 50% less plebes in the support staff and our standing guarantee, no eye contact. So don't delay, get your badge today. The black and white checkered badges are the most important, the most powerful. Make sure you get yours now for the low, low price of one Maybach. Ennui 2021, only in Lacrosse, Kansas. On an actual lacrosse field. Ennui is a subsidiary of Illumination Global Unlimited. Credit check required, deposit required, cryptocurrency accepted, blood of the young accepted. For more details, dial 1-833-STT-WYTK. And we're back with more on Davos, the ultra ultra exclusive uh, gathering of of the of the minds, uh, but the minds belonging to the global elite, essentially. Um, you know, captains of industry, CEOs, presidents, influencers, heads of state, uh, startup venture capitalists, things like that, but all in the service of furthering the narrative that is human existence. But, but to what end? Well, let's talk about that. There are a bunch of things here, and most of them start with G. The first one is the greater good, right? That's what this whole thing is. We've talked about it a lot in the past in this show, but there's another one. There's another really big G, and it's something else. You, what has it been? It is globalism. It is. This is sort of the uh, we're a family show, but for four days, Davos becomes the G spot for globalism. Uh, the w- <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you see my delay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. The, the W uh the WEF doesn't see itself as a world government. To your earlier point, Noel, they say we're not, you know, the UN. We're just people of a like mind getting together to have an honest, uh, well-intentioned debate. But some critics argue that this organization and this gathering in particular gets uncomfortably close to doing the things a world government would do. Isn't this the kind of stuff that would be red meat for like an Alex Jones type conspiracy theorist who's always talking about the global elite and the globalists and wanting to turn us into a bunch of drones mindlessly being, you know, uh, controlled by some sort of puppet government? Very much so. Very much so. It's difficult to overemphasize that fact. So I'll just say yes, capital okay. yes, underline <laughs> it, pop some highlighter over that because you are on the money, my friend. Uh, most years that this, so these meetings, this is the big one, but other smaller meetings occur in different regions throughout the world. And they're more focused on what I guess they would consider more localized issues. Um, but regardless of where these occur, whether it's regional or the big one in Switzerland, most years there are going to be protesters, anti-globalization protesters on the scene. Also, shout out to Bono from U2, uh, who says he, he described Davos once as the fat cats in the snow. I, I don't know. Does anybody have a good Bono voice? It's hard. It's he's, hard. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's got a classic Irish lilt, but with a little extra something that I can't quite put my finger on. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to attempt it. All right. All right. Well, uh, send us send us your best Bono impressions. Uh, The the anti-globalist perspective encompasses a lot of stuff. 
You know, it's not just the Alex Jones. um, It's not just what people might consider domestic right wing politics. It's also people who are you might consider them far left. And these folks, while they clearly don't agree on a bunch of other things, they argue that the WEF and other similar institutions like the ones, uh, Matt, you mentioned earlier, WTO, maybe IMF, G7, things like that. They say what these folks are actually doing is leveraging capitalism and globalization to do the exact things that they claim to prevent, to accelerate poverty, to degrade the environment all the while making a nifty profit. That's, that's again, that's not our show saying this. That's what the um, multitudes of critics and protesters in this vein are saying. Um, and then there's also the controversy like, okay, you're helping the world, but what is the world to you? Because the world is something different, I guarantee you, to every individual you will ever meet. And in the case of Davos, you know, uh, where it costs, I think $28,000 or equivalent to go. Um, there's this idea that these folks may be disconnected, that the world they believe they are saving may not be the world that the average non-Davos person um, wants to be saved, or it's not the world that they experience. And that's what leads us to this thing called the Davos man. Sounds like a caveman, right? Yeah. Well, that's the thing, man. The Davos man is almost like... It reminds me of 007 or, or a spy mm. or somebody. You, you've got no allegiances. I, I don't need to worry about this continent that I'm currently on or the borders around this state where my house is. I, my allegiance is to humanity. I, I, don't, I don't need any of that stuff. And a lot of it has to do with that level of wealth that you can reach where you can drop $28,000. And it's not like the best out there bonus you could ever imagine receiving or a lottery ticket win. It's just some extra money that you have. Right, right. It's like the Davos person is transnational. They're saying things like, you ask where they live, they would say, well, traditionally my family uh, originates in Greece. We were in shipping and transporting. I feel a kinship with the Greek. I am there of a time every winter or so. Yes. Wintering in Greece. Summering in, in perhaps Ibiza. Uh, <laughs> but uh, typically these are also the types of people that would consider themselves citizens of the world. Well, and, and that's, that's a great idyllic thing, right? It is. In a lot of ways, being a citizen of the world, I think, is a positive. And I think that's one of the reasons it's used a lot of times in the PR for these kinds of organizations, because if we could see everybody on the planet, you know, as a sibling, essentially, and all of those, the, I'm sorry, I know you guys get on me for kumbayaing a lot of the time, Ooh, but this no, is, never. but it, it's a beautiful thing. I've never thing. accused you of kumbayaing, yeah. Matt. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> well, maybe guests have a lot, but, um, but it's, it's just, it, it is a beautiful thing. And I, and I don't want to, I don't want anyone out there listening to this thinking that that isn't a cool thing. It's just, it's a rose colored glasses kind of situation in most cases. I it's think. also being said typically from a place of extreme privilege. Uh, and it's not something that is attainable to most. We would all love to be citizens of the world, but unfortunately it requires a lot of resources and capital and uh, the ability to not be tied down to a, a family or a location or whatever, whatever it might be, you know, mm. normal people things. 
Yeah, well said. You know what I mean? You talk to the average, like if you average out the world, you talk to the average person, um, describing themselves as a citizen of the world is going to be far down on the list of things that they say. I do want to, I do want to clarify, um, if you are an attendee, like if you were there to speak at Davos, just to speak, prime minister, et cetera, et cetera, uh, then the conference itself is going to be free for you. Mm-hmm. But if you're there to represent a company, you know, you're like, I'm the king of Facebook or whatever title they go with, uh, then you pay the equivalent of 28 grand, at least you did in 2020. And you're absolutely right, Noel, Matt, I, I agree with you 100%. Being a citizen of the world and not being limited by ideology, creed, or any other demographic slice, that is ultimately, that should be the goal of the species. Uh, the problem is uh, the human brain is bedeviled by some hard physiological limits. Dunbar's number, you know what I mean? Not conclusively proven, but pretty compelling uh, in, in in the argument that there's a limit to how many people one person can also think of as, you know, people instead of just yeah. like, you are the function. You are the reason the garbage moves on Tuesday. How do <laughs> you have a family? <laughs> That's amazing. But, but there's, uh, there, there's another thing to take into account here. And it's something that you've noted here, Ben, this, you know, we're talking about it in this, ideological way, but there's, there's a very real mechanical reason for people to at least want to view borders of nations and countries and continents as a thing of the past, because they oftentimes are able to operate on a level that supersedes, that goes beyond those borders where, where you've got a company or global economic, like it's a global economic forum. Um, uh, where you're, you know, when you're thinking about shipping, you're thinking about these big movements that are way bigger than any country. Okay, hold up for a second. Let's take a quick pause here uh, for a word from our sponsor and then back with more on Davos. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
Attention, true crime enthusiasts searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. And we've returned. Yes. Yeah. Everything we've said is correct. And we are trying to be very fair because these are tremendous, profound, possibly world changing ideas. But there's a guy we'd like to introduce you to. He's a political scientist named Samuel P. Huntington. He coined the phrase the Davos man. Uh, He describes this type of person, in his opinion, as people who have, quote, little need for national loyalty, view national boundaries as obstacles that thankfully are vanishing, and see national governments as residue from the past, whose only useful function is to facilitate the elite's global operations. The implication being that Davos, to some people, serves not the world, but their own ideological or financial goals. And we've talked about this in the past in the show, like the rough, the rough sketch of the evolution of the human species, right? Is it goes family, and then it goes religion, and then it goes state, and then it goes corporation. And we're at we're at the point right now where it is increasingly less crazy to ask if we are going to enter into a post-nation state civilization, you know, and if so. When when does that happen? And and the truth is, there are a lot of um, well, there is a segment of the human population that has no problem with that, that believes that nationalism uh, or the existence of the nation state has become increasingly anachronistic uh, or increasingly unhelpful to the overall goal, which is the spread of humanity ultimately to the stars. But then. There's another thing, and we got close to it earlier in uh, today's episode. Is this democratic? <sighs> you know what I mean? Yeah, not, not, not so much. I mean, it depends on how much stock you put into how far-reaching the types of conversations that happen at things like this actually are. And, and I think we can all uh, pretty much conjecture that it's quite far-reaching because, I mean, the folks that are there that are in on the conversation have their fingers literally on maybe not an actual button or or lever, but, you know, they have the means to make changes or to maybe not collude, uh, but there's a certain amount of that, you know, at at these closed-door kind of sessions, these um, these types of things, you know, much like a Bohemian Grove or what have you. Um, But yeah, I mean, it is a a criticism and I think a, a damning criticism 
criticism, that Davos enables uh, a very undemocratic form of decision-making because we, I mean, literally we, the three of us, we, uh, most of the people listening to the show, I think maybe don't have input in these conversations, in uh, how political leaders um, are influenced or, or the decisions that they make um, when they are entering into these, these conversations at a thing like this. These are informal. These are like country club conversations. They're, you know, you pay the, the price of entry uh, in order to be in the same room as these huge decision makers, these, these huge influencers. Uh, all of this stuff happens informally after hours. And of course, it's, it's a closed door event. It is invite only. It's a club made by the highest of the high uh, of, of elite society. And odds are it's a club that, that the likes of us uh, and, and many of our listeners are not invited to. Yeah, this this kind of exclusivity is appealing to the people who are on the inside, but it's um, it's strange to the majority of the people who are not in this inner circle. This brings us to the newest project, the the newest Davos initiative. The purpose of our two part episode this week, it's something called the Great Reset. This was the name, the official name of the 50th Davos meeting that was held in June of 2020. What was it? <laughs> it could, you know, you could dig into all of the research. You could look at, you can look at the speeches, uh, the conversations, the debates that were held. And if you get to the very bottom, the simple idea of the Great Reset, it is best described, just my opinion, as a laundry list of we need to fix and fast. That's that is what it is. Uh, doubtlessly, some of the more aristocratic attendees would be scandalized by that crass language, but take it as you will. That's that's the reality of the situation. Um, maybe, you know what, to be fair to them, let's not just have our editorializing of it. Uh, maybe we can give a quote direct from their website about what the Great Reset, if not what it is, what it wants to do. Yes, here are the official aims of the Great Reset. To offer insights to help inform all those determining the future state of global relations, the direction of national economics, the priorities of societies. Wow. Priorities of societies, the nature of business models, and the management of a global commons. To transform capitalism into something new. Capitalism. 2.0. That, that's me. I think I'm, that's me through Ben's words. <laughs> oh, no, that's, I mean, that's, that's the idea, right? That's like, let's rethink capitalism. In his book, uh, Professor Schwab argues, um, argues for the, the, I don't want to necessarily call it a buzzword, but the phrase they use to describe this is something called stakeholder capitalism. Stakeholder uh, would be defined in theory, as anybody, any individual, entity, or organization uh, that will be affected by decisions made, um, by problems solved, or by problems accelerated, and so they're saying, they're saying what we're doing is we are we are telling businesses specifically that you have more responsibilities than merely giving your shareholders a good profit report at the end of every quarter. You have other stuff you need to do, which is something a lot of people can agree with. Uh, Davos 
in the, through the Great Reset Initiative, wants to build a, quote, new social contract that honors the dignity of every human being. And on the face of that, that sounds amazing because there are very few examples in the human species of a society or a group dynamic that ever managed to honor the dignity of every member of the group or adjacent, or, you know, stakeholder. Fine. I'll take it. I'll, I'll start saying stakeholder too. Now it's, it's over. We've gone full corporate, but, but that's the, that's the official answer. That is what the great reset is supposed to do. And at this point, I think we've raised uh, some good concerns, uh, some hopefully a fairly accurate lay of the land here. Um, folks, when Matt, Noel and I work on these kinds of stories. We do run into we run into things where we say this has to be a, a multi-part show, and it's not ever a decision we make lightly. Uh, but we also feel that we need to do our best to to actually explore all of this stuff. So consider this part one uh, or chapter one an introduction to Davos, an introduction to the Great Reset. And tune in for our very next episode, part two, uh, where we are going to, uh, assuming Illumination Global Unlimited lets us get away with it, we are going to dive straight into all the crazy, crazy stuff surrounding this idea. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if we're not stuck in La Crosse, Kansas, which we might be for a little bit. Um, I know we have to go do that speaking thing or whatever, but uh, don't worry about La Crosse. We got some pull. Okay. Um, I I just want to say when I hear, or when I first heard this concept of the great reset, I thought it was a fictional story. I thought it was, I, I, this is not true. This is not the reality of what it is necessarily at all, but I imagined it as some dastardly plan, the great reset. It sounds like what you do when your when your computer malfunctions or your network shuts down and you unplug the thing, wait for a while and plug it back in because it's not working. Something has gone awry. We just need to kill it for a while and then restart it. And in my mind, I hear them talking about society, essentially about civilization, about humanity. Uh, That's what I picture, at least when I first, you know, at least when I first encountered this concept of the Great Reset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got it's got the sinister vibes of the Georgia Guidestones in, in some ways, you know, like be not a cancer on the earth and maintain population under 500, you know, million or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I can see how you would go there, Matt. And I just I wonder what everybody else immediately thinks when they hear what we've discussed thus far. And I'd like to, you know. If you haven't already researched, hang in there for the second part of this. But, you know, I'd love to hear what you think before we even get into the specifics. I think we all would. I think we'd all love to hear what you think. I mean, is this a situation of burn the village to save the village? I also thought of turn it off and turn it on again. Tell us, tell us. And if you have attended Davos, whether as a journalist, support staff, or, uh, you know, one of those people at the top, of this four-day civilization's pyramid with a vaunted white badge. We also want to hear from you. We try to make it easy to find us on the internet. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the hits. Uh, you can find us there. We'd love to hear from you also on our community page. Here's where it gets crazy. Uh, there's there's some great discussion going on there. But if you say, if you say, you know, I'm a billionaire, 
right? And I, because I'm a billionaire, I think social media is for peasants. I don't enjoy it. It makes me feel like I need to call in my assistants who wash my hands. Anytime I, I have to touch a keyboard that goes to social media, uh, I'm much more of a direct one-to-one kind of contact person. Well, Warbucks, we have a solution for you. Boy, do we ever. You can find us on the usual social media locations of Note, Facebook, and Twitter, where we are Conspiracy Stuff, Instagram, where we're Conspiracy Stuff Show. If you wish, you can also join our Facebook community. Here's where it gets crazy, uh, where you can get in on the conversation about Davos, uh, globalism, uh, the elite, or, you know, maybe lighter fare, uh, a meme or two uh, thrown in for good measure. Um, that's a fun spot, and all you got to do is name a name of anyone involved with the show or make Ben laugh or just say something that lets us know you're not a Russian bot and you are aware that this is a podcast and this is a podcast community page. Yes, and if you don't want to use social media, hey, guess what? We have a phone number. It is 1-833-STDWYTK. Give us a call. Tell us your name, whatever you want us to call you. Give us your message. And if you want any personal stuff just to talk to us, do that at the end. We ask that you keep it as short as you possibly can and only send one message per topic if possible. If it's longer than that and you want to add more stuff, send some links. We recommend you send us an email. We are Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.